You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentary's Global Rankings. Hello, thank you for joining me, Charlotte Greenway, for the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily podcast. This is episode 30. It's Friday the 11th of March and we're just four days away from the opening day of the Cheltenham Festival. And so like last week, I'll be focusing on some of the insight gained on the podcast this week from connections with runners during the four days of Cheltenham. Greatly spoken about on the podcast this week each day has been the number of days and whether we should seek a move to a five-day festival. And having heard the views of Rishi, Jane, Dave, Lee and Lydia, I'm sure you've come to your own conclusion. Just leaving Cheltenham behind for a minute, the week kicked off with the news from the BHA that they would be introducing an additional £1 safety allowance the £2 weights increase that was announced at the beginning of the year and the BHA's Chief Operating Officer Richard Wayman explained how this will differ from the current £3 COVID allowance. So as things currently stand, um, a horse that is set to carry nine stone in the weights actually carries nine stone sticks and the reason for that is there's a £3 back protector allowance and there's a £3 COVID allowance so this is effectively a total of £6 allowances. Going forward, um, when this when this change comes in in, in in May, what will happen is that, as we announced in January, the, the weights the weights will generally go up by two pounds, so an across the board two pound increase in the weights, and then the um, safety allowance will become a four pound safety allowance, effectively replacing the the three pound back protector allowance and the three pound COVID allowance that was there previously. So going back to our horse that was originally set to carry nine stone, but actually carries nine stone six, that will remain the same in that the horse will now be published to carry nine stone two as a result of the two pound increase in the weights. And in addition, there'll be a four pound safety allowance that will therefore mean the horse is carrying nine stone six. So so nothing has changed on, on that front. The horse will continue to carry what, what it's carried before. It's just the information that we'll put into the public domain and will be, will be more accurate. The BHA was in the headlines again on Tuesday when they announced that their chairwoman, Anna-Marie Phelps, would be stepping down at the end of May when her first term concludes. And Lee Mottishead on Wednesday's podcast discussed the main concerns that the BHA is currently facing, as well as who will be taking over. What we have now is a situation where the the big challenge, I think, for the the BHA board and for the, the, the BHA itself, the immediate challenge is clearly relating to the the gambling review that is taking place in the government. We're expecting a white paper soon. And the, the wider question of funding of the sport with levy reform, etc. And I suspect that Joe Sulmeres-Smith, who will become the, the BHA chair, uh, in uh, the end of at the end of May, he's deemed to be the right person to do that job. He has a significant amount of experience in the in the gambling and gaming sectors. He's involved in a senior way in in groups within the industry, looking at 
levy reform and uh, the, 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 the industry's relationship with the, the gambling sector. So I think he is deemed to tick those boxes. But it still is quite unusual, Nick, for a BHA chair's uh, successor to be announced on the same day that the current BHA chair's departure is announced. Well, that is unusual. Also on Wednesday, we heard from Jamie Hart of The Tote, who informed us that the Nick Luck Daily podcast listeners will have the chance to enter into The Tote's Cheltenham Invitational Betting Tournament. There's only 1,000 places and The Tote is underwriting your entry, so it's free to join and you'll have the chance to win a share of the £55,000 prize pot, including the overall Cheltenham Festival Champion Prize of £10,000. For more details, visit tote.co.uk forward slash promotions forward slash tote 1000. Finally, a bit of news relating to the flat this morning was that Tom Dascombe has confirmed that he will be returning to Lambourne following a successful 12 years at Manor House Stables and he will be training from the historic Upland Stables following his final run up from the Cheshire Base on Saturday, which is Misty Grey at Lingfield. I look forward to following the trainer who provided me with my two wins as an amateur on the flat from his new base, where no doubt the winners will continue to flow. Now turning our attention to Cheltenham, and don't forget, I'm sure you've heard Nick mention throughout this week, that the Nick Luck Daily listeners will be able to sign up to the Racing Post Members Club and get their first month for just £9.99. And that includes the Daily Racing Post digital newspaper worth over £100 per month. Plus, you'll also get access to award-winning online content, unlimited replays from all UK and Irish racecourses, and advice from tipsters such as Tom Segal. And well, last time I followed him, he tipped up completed at 50-1 to 1 in the Irish Gold Cup. So I'm certainly looking forward to seeing what outsiders he has to offer next week. For the full terms and to take advantage of this introductory offer, head to racingpost.com forward slash Nick Luck Daily. There was a definite boost to the British challenge when Henry Daly announced to Nick on Friday that exciting novice hurdler Hillcrest is an intended runner in the Albert Bartlett on Friday, for which he's currently second favourite. We know we get the trip. We know we don't mind the track. We don't. The ground is fine for anything from good through to heavy so why wouldn't we have a crack at it if he if he's okay which he is uh, i mean you you made quite a bit about the the schooling after he was just a bit sort of um how can i put it so disrespectful of his hurdles at haydock yeah well it was very interesting i rang yogi Brazer after haydock on the sunday morning and he said uh, i said did you watch the race and he said yes and he said um yeah he does that thing where he takes such a long stride his back end overtakes his front end. <laughs> yeah. So he just said, "We if we can <clears throat> change that and help that a bit, um, wouldn't hurt. And we schooled him on Tuesday morning, having been a couple of times to Laura Collins with Yogi there, with Laura riding. Um, we schooled him yesterday morning and he, he jumped nicely. Uh, and I'm guessing... I think he will miss one. You know, I, I can't get over that. Uh, you know, but if we can, if we can only miss one, not three, that would be a bonus. Yeah, um, and I'm guessing Richard Patrick um, will be riding him. That I, I, see, I assume that I didn't even discuss that. Um, well, he's the, he, he's the sort of most undertalked rider of the of the whole festival, really. Given if he's going to be riding a very fancied horse, uh, he's a, he's quite a cool customer. For those people who don't know an awful lot about him, what do you like in him? 
<laughs> what do I like in him? Um, he he rides. Look, he rides very nicely. He has obviously certain advantages for me. For the most part, he, he is available. Um, whereas, unfortunately, I mean, not unfortunately, but just one of the, the fact of life that if you like Tom O'Brien, it's the same with Richard Johnson or whatever that AP, whoever you would like to put on horses, they were often not available. And Richard, ninety-nine times out of a hundred, is unfortunately <laughs> nearly say tomorrow or the day after it, he's not available because he's riding an Imperial Cup and not a Hereford. But that's the way the cookie crumbles. Um, and he he's very sensible not to flash and does the job nicely. Um, you were sort of humming and hawing about whether Fortescue was going to have his Grand National prep at the festival. Have you got any closer to a decision on that? Uh, well, yes and no. We have kept him in the um, Ultima, but he's really, <laughs> as much as anything, he's got very fresh. And if we can avoid being that fresh, I think it would be a good thing. We will either run him in the Ultima or take him for a race course gallop somewhere. And so that's what we're doing. Okay, so so that you'll just you'll just push that till till Sunday, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, and and you are definitely going to run wrapper, aren't you? That is the plan again. Either depending on the rain situation, either in the ultimate or or the or the Kimmel and the it depends how much it rains. Really, I'd like to run him in the ultimate. Bloodstock agent Tom Malone looks set for a busy week with almost 50 purchases set to run over the four days and I don't think there's any doubting that flying the flag for him will be the Paul Nichols trained brave man's game in the Brown Advisory Novices Chase on Wednesday and when he spoke to Nick on Thursday he started by making a pretty strong case for him. He's unbeaten over fences this season. He's taken on the big boys and he's beaten them all and he's climbed from race to race. He's looked more impressive. Um, so yeah, no, he's definitely the team captain. All right. So how did you pick him out? Where did you buy him? How did the how did the sale come about? Well, look, as people know, I am very big on the Irish pint of pint scene, and uh, the day in question, he ran. He ran in a place called Linkstown in Wexford, but he probably wasn't that fancied on his homework because there was three meetings the same day, and Rob James is the principal rider for Dunica Doyle. He went to another race meeting. And JJ Walsh got the leg up on this lad. So I think this horse really took them by surprise. And I just loved what I've seen in the race. It's very hard to do it at Linkstown. He turned at the top of the hill after the 17 hands. He sprinted away from the field down to the last. Winged it and won. They couldn't pull him up after the line. That's a good sign in a race. That's a bloody good sign, that is. So he he galloped out through the line really strongly. And then, then where was he offered for auction? And, and how did you pick him up? He came to Tatterstall's Cheltenham sale, which is a brilliant initiative that they've started at the festival sale because there's been plenty of good horses sold in, in at this sale. It's only a select number. They can only have, I'd say, it's about 25 or 6 horses. And he ended up there that day. And I said to Paul, Paul, if we don't buy this horse, we, give, we may as well give up and not buy any more. Uh, this is the horse we must buy. It was the only one we bid on on the night. And I said, we've got to go. And... We, we hear a lot lately about point-of-pointers and the fact that they're not coming to England. But on that night, we bought him ourselves, myself and Paul. So we're, we're trying very hard to make sure we're getting the best horses. But it's not always... We don't always have an owner ready with the funds to pay for it. But that night, the pair of us said, right, come on, let's do it. We paid 370000 for him. And he was sold five minutes later to two owners. And yes, if we hadn't bought him, he wouldn't have been sold and he'd have been somewhere else. So it's, there's a lot goes on behind the scenes that people don't really see. 
And is there anything in, in what you've seen that makes you think that, that he can't be just as effective around around Cheltenham as anywhere else, even though he, he sort of slightly wilted late on in, in last year's Ballymore? See, the, the other thing that was didn't come to light, like Harry said, and as much as the video, there's a brilliant uh, camera work of... Um, Richard Blackmore arriving alongside him and running away on Bob Ollinger but Harry said that he was slightly making a noise at the top of the hill and, and the end of a long season it probably got to him in the end because I don't think he ran his true race there or entry but the, but the horse has had an extra year under Paul's guidance he's stronger he's a man now I don't think Cheltenham is an issue to him one one bit. I think he'll be fine this year. I think I think we'll see the real brave man's game at Cheltenham this year. And no no sign of a noise this time round in any no, of his races. It's amazing. No, it's very, it's, it's quietly amazing. There's none of none of it this year. None of it. It's quietly amazing. So there, there was just a, there was just a hint of a, of a breathing issue in, in last year's race. I mean, you've ridden it. You've ridden enough horses, Tom. Do you think sometimes those things only manifest themselves when you get into the real, as the Aidan O'Brien would call it, into the red zone? Yeah, I would say that, but you if you're not on peak shape as well, if if you're not really at the top of your game, and I'd say that horse wasn't physically strong to take on the men that day or entry. So he got beat twice late on in the year. Early in the season, he looked, he looked unstoppable, and I just thought it got to him. Whereas this year, he's got better with everyone. You'd, need, you'd nearly even say his last run was a career best and the best performance he's put up this year. You've got a load of other horses that you've bought going to the, the festival. Stage star, you've got a gazillion owners in the owners' group, so you've got a lot of people to keep happy, Tom. Uh, to be fair, their their team keep them very happy, and they're, they're, it's brilliant for racing. They bought him as a store. Obviously, he's by fame and glory, who I love, and he arrived on at the store sales, and we picked him up for €60,000, which I thought was a, a lovely price, and he's turned out to be a real good horse, and... and He'll be in the mix now. Well, what about a, a really good mare winning for you then this year? What about Riviere Detel in the in the Arkle? Well, I, I'd, I'd nearly go as far as to say she brings potentially the best form to the table, really, because she's taken on Fernie Hollow and only just gone down. She made him work right to the line in Leopardstown. Apart from a bad mistake at the last where she kind of winded herself and got going again to Blue Lord, um, She's a hell of a mare. Like she was only beaten six lengths in the Fred Winter last year, or the Boodles, um, and she was on the pace. And the winner came from a long way behind because someone was questioning her Cheltenham credentials. She's nearly seventeen hands. She was a three rising four year old running in Cheltenham, beating six lengths. It's hardly a bad run, and I, I just think that we've seen the mare this year. And, and Gordon assures me she is bouncing at home. So you know, getting that mare's allowance. And Edward Stone has looked a monster this year. I really like that animal, but it's going to be a hell of an article. The other one I wanted to talk about was Little Adagio, who, uh, you know, you, you got out of a claimer in France. Oh, he, he staggers belief that, that ours. Actually, the day we claimed him, I, I rang Dave Pipe and I said, I've just put in a claim for this horse. And I remember the guy in France had done it for me, Nicky Belanda. I said, uh, he was in for 14,000 to be claimed. And he was after bolting up. And I went, wow, we have to have this horse. Uh, I said, put in 25001 for him. And... He said, you won't need to put in that much. I said, don't care, put it in. We must have this horse. So as I put down the phone, I'm starting to shake because I, I always get a good feeling on a horse. I want it. And 
I rang him back. I said, put in another claim, put in 30,000 on him. I, I, we can't miss this horse. We have to have him. He said, no, there's nobody here. I promise you 25 will buy him. Thankfully, I listened to him and the 25 bought him. But after I bought him, uh, a lady trainer, I said, can you just go and have a look at him, make sure he's all, all right and everything's okay. And she saw, she came back and she says, oh, I'm after hearing bad stories about this because he'd ran in two good maidens in, in France on the flat and was placed in both and then dropped into the claimer four months later. You kind of you get a bit wary, you do. Something's gone wrong. And uh, she said, I heard he broke his shoulder. And as I had heard that, I rang Dave to tell him he'd sold it to Caroline and Brian in the office. I was going, oh, no, we can't tell it to them. No, tell them, please. No, they're not having it. I said, please. They're, I said, they're not having that horse until he arrives in my yard and I know he's sound. Uh, the, the lady in question rang me back and says, "Oh, Tom, sorry, I was I was talking about a different horse. I'm sorry, they told me the wrong horse." <laughs> <laughs> well, I... he arrived. He arrived home in my place and got off the box, and he was a belter. And I thought, right, we've done well here now. So, and the rest is history. And if he wins the champion hurdle, that'll be it. That'll that, that'll be your epitaph, won't it? As a buyer. Well, you know, when you pay a lot of money for a horse, it should work out. It doesn't always, but it should. When you nick something like him, there's a feel-good factor to it. It's really for everyone, for trainer, for owners, for everyone. Um, but this game would tame lines, so no one's ever right in this game all the time. Emmett Mullins is a trainer you'd be brave to ever overlook in a competitive handicap, especially when he sends one over the RSC to Britain. He was on the score sheet last year with the shunter in the two and a half mile handicap chase and when Nick caught up with him on Wednesday, he asked how many he's intending on running this time around. I think we have three runners and uh, all three with three low chances. So will the shunter be coming back? Uh, he was your winner last year. Yes, um, I think we'll be confirming him for the Carl Cup and the place. Um, but he probably looks like he has a nicer mark in the Carl Cup. He's a horse who you mixed and match hurdles and fences with very effectively. Um, do you th- do you think he's a better hurdler than a chaser? Um, he's he probably is. He's probably not the most natural uh, chaser. He has his own way of doing it. But um, uh, no, he, he's uh, he's slick over his hurdles. Yeah, and uh, you think he's on a on a pretty good mark. The other entries you've got at the moment are, are Noble Yates, who's recently been bought by the the Whaley Cohen family, uh, Winter Fog, Right Place, Right Time, and and Cara Ray. Uh, which of those are are definitely going to come? Sam should be riding Noble Yates in the Ultra on Tuesday, so he should have a good streak. The plan is definitely the national long term, so but he's still hitting well. No, he he should run a big race on Tuesday, but. Uh, and it's definitely the match Okay, so so he's he's definitely inked in for it. I was at a you'll have heard this a million times. I was at a preview last night, and somebody you knew better than me uh, tipped a, a horse you trained called Carraway, who ran at the Dublin Racing Festival. Is that is that an intended runner? Um, he's probably unlikely to get a run in any race. Um, from what I can see, if he gets in, he'll take his chance. But I, I can't see him getting a run. Um, one horse who definitely will get a run, I, I think, is 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 Winter Fog, who ran a fantastic race uh, at Leopardstown in the Potemps qualifier at, at Christmas. Again, you've yes, he probably he probably looks like he had better years than Leopardstown. He got there on the bridle, travelling very easy at the second last, and got run out for close home. I'm going to put that down to first run for me, first run of the season, and 
I'd be fairly confident either on the end of the pens. Yeah, so he's he's pretty short for the for the per temps, and I know he got a, a good chunk from the from the UK handicapper. But is there a chance that he's still ahead of the posse? Do you think? He's unexposed, and we're going to hope he is. But um, we won't find out till next Thursday. Uh, does he does he work like a good one? Does he does he strike you like a good horse when you on what you see? No, he's not a particularly good workhorse at home. Um, Anytime he's gotten away the grass, he's been much better. But um, he's only done that two or three times since we've got him. Um, so no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't set the world alight at home. Uh, but um, he does the business when he travels away. So they'll take that. And uh, I, when you were saying earlier on that you didn't think that uh, Carraway would get into to any race, will you get uh, right place, right time into a race? Unlikely as well. Uh, I'd probably confirm him for the Kim Muir, but I think he'd be a pound or two shy of Masters ratings to get in a run as well. And for all we were saying that Winter Fog is the shortest price of your of your lot, and actually quite a short price for a for a um, uh, for a horse who uh, yeah who's who's got a, a fair fair chunk from the from the UK handicapper. Do you th- still think he's the best bet if you were going to back one of yours? Which would it be? I'd probably take the horse that's been there and done it the shunter. Um, he's won twice in Shetland in two visits there, so uh, you'd have to be confident he's going to run his race again whenever he, wherever he turns up. I think it's fair to say that David Maxwell has taken a fair bit of stick since taking out his licence to ride as an amateur, but I think over the last 12 months he's done a pretty damn good job of proving the doubters wrong and none more so than when he went over to punch us down last season with Bob and Co for the Fox Hunters and beat the Irish on their own stomping ground. I think it would be great to see him repeat the feat on home soil and he spoke to Nick about his chance of doing so. I'm reasonably hopeful. I think Bob and Co's got a great chance in the Fox Hunters. Paul's horses seem to be coming into a bit of form. And uh, I saw Harry Cobden at the races yesterday and he said, you know, they've just, they've all just turned in their coats. You know, they, they're just, they've, you can see the spring in their coats. You know, they're, they're just all feeling a bit better. And um, uh, so hopefully, um, if Paul's horses are in good nick, um, Bob and Co's got a great chance. And you, you, are, you have made self-deprecation a bit of an art form, but you know anyone can see how many winners you've ridden now. You've got an awful lot of experience on, on these horses. Bob and Co, you and Paul have sort of turned, turned around from being a bit of a certifiable loony to a, to a horse that's pretty tractable and, and pretty, pretty rideable. Yeah, he's really calmed down, actually. We're going to take the hood off him for Cheltenham and uh, yes he was a bit of a lunatic when he came from France but um, uh, no, he, he's much um, he, he's much easier to ride these days we're both a bit older I think that's probably it and and hopefully no wiser at all otherwise you wouldn't be doing it ah oh, definitely I'd say well yeah I, I'm, I'm not going to say it's not that dangerous but it it, it, it feels okay um, this is good news. So Bob and Co in the Fox Hunters, I, I thought one of the, your most memorable victories, not perhaps ever, was the, the sort of last gasp win of Cat Tiger at, uh, at Ascot earlier in the season. Where did that rank amongst the sort of um, Maxwell highlights reel? Would, would that have made it? Oh, that, that was um, that was really fun. It's it's always great just to win by such a narrow margin because you know, I, I genuinely thought I hadn't got there that day. Um and so it's, it's nice to win just by that very smallest of small margins. Um, he's a really lovely horse. He'll run really well. My concern for him is just that's a really competitive handicap. And, you know, he's up 
seven pounds for that win and you know, whether the handicapper maybe just has um has the measure of i don't know i i suspect maybe he does but i mean remember he's a grade three winner in france he's um uh, he's in great form this year he's a super accurate little jumper and i think he would i think he'd really enjoy cheltenham actually is he is he the sort of horse you ride where you walk out to the paddock and think yes i'm really looking forward to this he he's a he's just a nice ride he absolutely is and you know in direct contrast with bob and co who basically <laughs> after the first time i rode him in the two weeks between that and the second time i rode him i basically didn't sleep at night you know i'd wake up in a, in a cold sweat about riding that horse um but um but cat tiger is is an absolute joy to ride uh, and so you've got those two so bob and co and the fox hunters cat tiger i guess and the kim muir Exactly. Yeah, and and uh, have you got a few others dotted around? Just got one in in the cross country race horse called Feu de Large, um, who's trained by uh, Patrice Canton in France, um, and um, I mean he would have he will have no realistic chance in that. I wouldn't have thought. Um, he's a he's he's okay over uh, cross country fences. He's a bit slow, and they go quite quick in that. Um, but I was keen to have a. a, a a spin around the cross-country course at Cheltenham. Who knows when I might have another opportunity. Well, I hope you've picked up a few pointers from listening to our guest this week. Enjoy the weekend and the fantastic four days of racing next week. Nick will be with you on Monday morning. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.